The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. And in our first half, we're going to talk about meetings and dealing with those really people, those difficult people that you can't stand in a meeting. And we have an expert with us. My guest is Dr. Rick Brinkman. He's also the co-author of a best-selling book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand. But this book is Dealing with Meetings You Can't Stand, Meet Less and Do More. Dr. Rick Brinkman is the co-author of the international best-selling book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand, which has been translated into 25 languages. He's a top keynote speaker and trainer on conscious communication for leadership, teamwork, customer service, effective meetings, bringing out the best in people, and managing multiple priorities. Welcome, Rick. Hey, pleasure to be here, Patricia. Thanks for having me. Good, good. All right. So, um, you know, let's talk about the subtitle, which is interesting, which says, Meet Less and Do More. Um, Explain that. Well, there's two ways uh, that meeting less happens. One is it begins with a pre-flight checklist where you question the meeting's existence. Is this the best use of meeting? Uh, Many uh, meetings should not exist. I mean, for example, um, too much information is given at meetings. But the Cambridge Psychological Society found the average person 24 hours after a business meeting only remembers 9% of what occurred. Mm. And of the 9%, they remember half of that is inaccurate in some way. So you have to question, is this the best use of meeting? Now, meetings should be for interaction. So we could disseminate information ahead of time. People are required to read it, and then we could interact about it. And then the second way we meet less and do more is we just uh, don't go down tangents. We stay on course. We are really efficient in our discussions, and we're realistic about time frames. Yeah, yeah, which, which is so important. So what you're saying is that you, the meeting is not that important. What do you feel about, like, a Skype meeting, or do you think that's just as intense as a regular meeting? Well, I think that... Um, uh, if it's Skype or you're talking GoToMeeting or WebEx yeah. or Adobe yeah. Connect and any of those things, uh, it depends. If you have web ca- webcams on, you're going to get more accountability because you can tell whether people are multitasking or, or not. And you're going to have a feeling of much more connection. If webcams are not on and people are even just calling in, uh, then it will be compromised. And really in those cases, you have to make some agreements about uh, no multitasking, that we're going to get in, get out, and uh, stay focused. And then uh, it's really important, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point on your interview, about sharing a screen where we could all see uh, notes that are being taken. Mm, yeah, so that's another way. But one of the things you talk about in your book is that before you even have the meeting, 
make sure you're clear about the purpose of the meeting. So let's talk about that and about agendas. Well, yeah. So first of all, again, it shouldn't be for information. Uh, that's It's interaction about information. Uh, then secondly, we want to make sure uh, that we have all the right people there, especially if we have to make a decision. If we can't have them all there, then we should reschedule. And then there has to be an agenda. Uh, you know, you think it, it's good to think of people at a meeting like an airplane flight. They're trapped in a contained space uh, for a limited amount of time. It could be uncomfortable. The plane can leave late. The meeting can start late. Uh, it can go off course and, uh, of course, not arrive on time, in which case you miss your other connections and other meetings. So the agenda has to be realistically thought out. Uh, one thing I always recommend is you assign one person to take some time notes. How long did this subject actually take? Because then after a few meetings, you'll really know how much time certain subjects require. Uh, mm-hmm. Then the second thing that should be on every agenda item is a statement of purpose and a statement of focus. So, for example, uh, let's say we have an agenda item, uh, moving the office. All right. A statement of purpose is uh, to create the most minimal impact on your team's workflow during the office move. Now you know, oh, okay, that's kind of important. And then the statement of focus is what do you want from me at the meeting? We want you to come knowing your team's uh, schedule and considering any times of day or days of the week that might be better for you once you understand the process of how it's going to work that will be presented at the meeting. So that's the first step to staying on course. We have to orient people in the agenda as to what it's all about and what do you want from me. Yeah, very interesting. And do you think that makes it much easier for people because then they, they're more on task and more focused? Oh, yeah, then they're focused. I mean, uh, and that, now we get to on the meeting. That's what we have to create is, is focus. There should be always a, a focal point of topic. What are we talking about? And a focal point of process. How are we talking about it? You know, are we brainstorming? Are we looking at the pros? Are we looking at the cons? Are we in a discussion mode? Are we in question and answer? Uh, if we don't have that focal point of attention, then it's very easy to uh, go off course. And that focal point is part of what I call air traffic control. And in mm-hmm. a face-to-face meeting, it can be as simple as a whiteboard. We put a topic box and a process box. Whatever topic is on the floor is in that box. Whatever process we're using is in the process box. And you're only allowed to speak to that uh, topic and process hmm. interesting so it, it and and part of that you say is making a visual having a speaking order so really um, having everything written yes that's another part of air traffic control you've got to have some sort of speaking order otherwise what's naturally going to happen is your more assertive people are going to talk too much and your more passive people are just going to drop out now I think the goal in a meeting is what I call holographic thinking. It's, it's what our eyes do. You know, both of our eyes, right and left, see from two different points of view. Imagine them arguing whose point of view is correct. Well, that's absurd, but that's what people do all the time. Countries do it. What happens is from those two points of view, your brain synthesizes them, and then you see three dimensions. So at a meeting, if we can get everyone to see everyone's point of view, uh, we can arrive at this holographic thinking where we're taking much more factors into account and we're going to have much more complete ideas and solutions. And so that will be uh, absolutely critical as part of air traffic control. And that speaking order could be voluntary as we raise a hand and we put somebody's name on a whiteboard so we see the list and we know our turn is coming, which is important for the assertive people because more often than not, with no order, they're not listening to what the person's saying. They're listening for breathing changes and just waiting to jump in to say what they have to say. 
uh, in the meantime, your passive people drop out. So it's like losing an eye automatically and you lose a third dimension. So it could be voluntary mm. or uh, especially in a virtual meeting, I think it should be circular. You just establish a speaking order at the beginning of the, uh, yeah. the meeting yeah. and that, that can be present to them. Just go around the room and that ensures you're going to hear from everyone. Mm-hmm. What, and of course, what there's a time do? limit. Anytime you're speaking, there's got to be a time limit. Otherwise, you're know-it-alls. You're going to go on and on and on. So what do you do with those people, Rick, who, and I've been in this, where, you know, you have one person who tries to dominate, and even though, and so you've kind of given up. You know, you're not really in it, so you're withdrawing. You're not really giving your best because you feel that it's not going to be heard anyway. How do you handle that? Well, you handle that by putting a process in place ahead of time. I mean, really, this is what would always come up with people you can't stand. And yes, you know, we can use techniques in that book to deal with know-it-all behavior, but putting a process in place ahead of time that prevents anybody from going into what uh, we call that danger zone is much more effective. So let's consider know-it-all behavior. Here's somebody who knows a lot, and they are happy to tell you how much they know and go on and on and on. So they usually take a meeting down tangents. Well, as soon as you have a focal point of topic and process and that statement of purpose and focus on the agenda, they can't take you down the tangent because as soon as they start going somewhere that's off course, the pilot is the primary timekeeper goes, eh, I'm sorry, Jack, that's not what we're talking about. Now let's come back. And then secondly, if they only have two minutes to speak, anytime it's their turn, they can't dominate and do that any longer. So uh, that immediately controls them. But wait, there's more something else that we want to do at the meeting is flight recording and that's where we uh, bullet what people are saying and make it visual in a way that we can all see and Mm so you know if I'm being the know-it-all and there's a bit of ego when people are know-it-all behavior and I make my point and again I'm limited to two minutes I can't take off course but then I see Mm -hmm. my point is bulleted for all to see I, I, it even satisfies my ego need, so it prevents me from, again, dominating. But when you bullet things like that, see, the difference between an auditory communication and visual is visual remains over time. Auditory only exists the moment you say it. So, you know, I'm sure all your listeners have experienced people who repeat themselves at meetings over and over again. And that's because if a meeting is only auditory with no visual recording and I have a point that I feel is important to the group mind, I'm going to say it a bunch of times as a way of keeping mm-hmm. it in awareness. Mm-hmm. And once I see it's up there, I see it, I see it, I see it, five minutes still there. It totally eliminates these repetitions. And then what happens for the group is we go around, let's say, circular in order, and everybody puts in their point. It's like we're all working on a jigsaw puzzle together, and everybody's got a puzzle piece or two to add mm-hmm. to it. And that's what gets the group to arrive at holographic thinking. Mm. So you're part, you become part of a system, and it's, yes. it's set up that way. Yeah, it is. Part of it. For the passive people, they almost feel obligated to communicate because they see that, okay, I have something, and it may mm-hmm. only be one small piece. But it completes the puzzle. So what you're saying is that those know-it-alls can't really go off on the tangent because the system is very, in a way, structured. It's very structured. Yes, exactly. I mean, people who have become judges, 
they go off on tangents in a different way. They get nitpicky about details that don't matter, but they are mm-hmm. controlled in, in the same way as, as know-it-all behavior, where, you know, some people tend to get into whining or negativity where they just look at what's wrong with an idea. But if we're brainstorming and they say what's wrong, eh, that's not what we're doing right now. When we're examining mm-hmm. the pros of an idea and they say what's wrong, eh, that's not what we're doing right now. Once we switch to the cons of an idea, then people, they can revel in all their glory and they actually become smoke detectors for problems. Interesting. Yeah. So it's it's discipline, it's focus, it's structure, it's, um, right, and, and um, yeah. All right, we've Definitely. got a couple of minutes before break. So tell people how they can get your book and, and some of the things that you do in terms of conscious communication. I know you're an expert who teaches that in terms of leadership, teamwork, and customer service and meetings. So uh, talk about well, how people can Sure, as far as the book, you certainly can get a, a physical copy on Amazon or from most booksellers. Uh, it's also already an electronic version. It's on Kindle. It's on iBooks. It's on Nook. If you're a listener, it's on Audible. So whatever format you need, it's it's there for you. Uh, if your listeners go to dealingwithmeetings.com, that's uh, a section in my website, and there's some resources there, like an agenda template in Word format that they could download. There's another template there called Cage Rattling 101. It's how you create a document to convince people to try the meeting jet process as an experiment. And this is really important to note. Everybody hates meetings. Even the person you know, if they weren't there, it'd be a good meeting. They'll tell you how bad the meeting is. So mm. if you go to anybody and say, how'd you like to hear an idea that makes our meetings more focused, shorter, and productive? It's a rare human being says, nah, we don't want that. What will we do for a waste of time and misery? Yeah. yeah. So they welcome this type. They w- actually welcome Every, the structure in this format. Everybody does. They all welcome it, yes. And you t- suggest it as an experiment to do twice. And oh, well, I remember right. I, I talked about it in a seminar for 15 minutes and I got an email back from some Boeing engineers who said they had a Wednesday morning meeting, three hours every Wednesday morning. When they put in this process, they got it done in an hour, but they got more oh, done right. at higher quality than they ever okay. did in the three hour period. All right, fabulous. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are talking to Dr. Rick Brinkman, who's the author of Dealing with Meetings You Cannot Stand. Dr. Rick Brinkman is a communications expert who teaches conscious communication for leadership, teamwork, customer service, and effective meetings. Since 1987, he's performed more than 4,000 programs in 17 countries and shared his insights on human behavior and strategies for practical communication. And again, the book is Dealing with Meetings You Can't Stand, Meet Less, and Do More. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. We live in perilous times on a beautiful yet fragile planet. As a species, we are not doomed to self-destruct. We can live in peace and in love for one another. We can save this, our only home. We must mature. Open your mind. Soften your heart. Listen for the fate of humanity. Crucial conversations for our survival. With host Lauren N. Nile. Tune in. The Fate of Humanity airs Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Patricia Raskin. My guest is Dr. Rick Brinkman. He's the author of the book, Dealing with Meetings You Can't Stand. Dr. Rick Brinkman is a communications expert who teaches conscious communication for leadership, teamwork, customer service, and effective meetings. He's the co-author of the international best-selling book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand, which has been translated into 25 languages. And uh, he travels all around the world and speaks a lot. And the name of the book, I mean, the name of the website is rickbrinkman.com. And again, the name of the book is Dealing with Meetings You Can't Stand, Meet Less and Do More. Okay, so let's, um, Rick, let's talk about some proven techniques for those difficult personalities like snipers, whiners and negative people. Well, you're talking about techniques uh, in general or techniques specifically in the context of a meeting? Um, maybe a little of both. Okay. Well, we have to understand, first of all, where people are coming from. And I urge people to think um, behavior, not personality. And the reason for this is uh, we as human beings can only pay attention to seven, give or take two things at any one time consciously. This research has done in the mid-50s called the magic number seven. Uh, you could be aware of what I'm saying, how you feel about it, the rate of your breathing, temperature in the room, right foot, and if we are crashed, there goes your attention, something drops out. We have a part of our brainstem called the reticular activating system uh, that has multitudes of functions, but one of which is radar. So if you get married, you see everyone get married. If you have children, it looks like a baby, boom. If you're interested in a certain car, there it goes again. 
So one thing I have to be cautious about is if I think somebody's personality is negative, that's all I'm going to notice. Uh, and this is really the foundation of the polarization that you see in the world is everybody is right from their point of view, but that's because they've been selectively sorting their perceptions to only see that which fits their point of view. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that people's behavior changes according to the two factors, context, where are we, what's going on, and relationship, who we're with. So we're talking about a context meeting that tends to stress people out because sometimes they don't see what the purpose is. Why should I be there? I've got too much to do. It's a waste of time. So that could push them in stress behaviors. So looking at um, whining and negativity specifically, that originates out of a desire to get things uh, right. Uh, and uh, if people are not getting things right, they can go into this perfection mode. Uh, but they look at what is, they look at what could be, what could be, what is does not measure up to what could be, and then they feel helpless to do anything about it. That's how whining starts. And when mm. people whine, their radar goes boop. Boop, there's a problem. Oh, there's another one and another one. Now, some people can do this acutely, meaning in general this person's not whiny or negative, but they have an acute case. A few things went wrong, and for two days they're just looking at what's wrong. But other people do this chronically. They've been doing this for years, and that's why people who typically do that will tell you, I'm not being negative, I'm being realistic. And that's because Mm -hmm. they've been sorting their perceptions for so long. So Mm -hmm. the trick with whining and negativity is they're feeling helpless. Uh, you've got to get them to problem solve. Uh, you have to empower them somehow to problem solve, to be part of a solution, because that will cut the root of a feeling of being helpless. Mm-hmm. Now, where they are also stuck is in their own generalizations. Because if you ask them what's wrong, they'll say everything's wrong. Okay, what specifically? All of it. When does it occur? It mm-hmm. happens all the time. <laughs> Who's doing it? Everybody. Oh, God, I'm exhausted hearing you whine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you've got to be ready for that. They're stuck in their own generalizations, and so you've got to get them to be specific. And so the meeting process that we talked about does get people to be specific because you're not going to write on a flip chart, everything is wrong. In flight recording, that would be completely stupid. And so it gets them to be specific, and especially when you're looking at what are the considerations about an idea, uh, that turns them into smoke detectors for pro- as, for, to, as problem solvers. Hmm. So there's certainly a way to get around this from everything you're saying. You just, you know, and oh, yeah. I'm sure and you the book has step by step. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I hate sniping. That is, I think that's the worst because they say it in a joke and they say it yeah. in front of people and it's very yeah. cutting. You know, like yeah. things like my, my idea of sniping is you walk in a meeting, oh, well, Patricia, glad you could make it today. Uh-huh. You know, that, that, that to me is a sniping comment. Yeah, yeah, that would depend on tone of voice. The way you said it definitely would be like, Ugh. right. <laughs> well, you know, sniping can sometimes be friendly. You know, there's friendly teasing about among friends, and then sniping can be malicious, where somebody's got a target on your back, and mm-hmm. um, uh, the the process will also control sniping. In the book, there's these great moments in meetings, and I, I love this one story. I was told um, it's an IT meeting, non-technical. Uh, the director did not need to be there for any reason, neither for authority or technical reasons, and um, uh, would come anyway because of his position. It would make snarky, distractive comments and send the meeting astray. So at one point, uh, the person running the meeting at the beginning just got up and walked over to the whiteboard, decided to flight record whatever anybody said, 
and just wrote it on the board innocently. So when the director made a snarky comment, wrote it on the board. Oh. And uh, that, that ended it right there. Yeah, yeah, because it showed. Yeah, it showed. Sometimes I've been told that a good way to handle that is call them out, call the sniper out in front of their people. Say something like, was that a dig? Because it felt that way mm-hmm. to me. What do you think? Yes, that is. A, we call yeah in the book people you can't stand. We call that the stop looking backtrack. So they make a comment. So you stop right in the middle of a word. Slowly I turn. I take a breath to calm myself. I don't have to think of what to say. The sniper told me what to say. I just backtrack their comment. I heard you say a high fiber diet would bring out the best of me. What's going on? And then you innocently do it. And innocence is the key. You've got to do a Gandhi with them because it's a slippery slope to become a sniper back. Oh, yeah? Well, maybe you should sue your brains for non-support. You don't want to go sniper to sniper. You have to be innocent and curious. You're professional. Their comment is, and in that sense, you kind of sort them out. And usually they mm-hmm. withdraw and they go, oh, it was nothing. And then they back off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So important. Right. What's what is another thing that you'd really like our listeners to know that you think sometimes we fall into traps that we could could really help us in terms of dealing with meetings you can't stand and dealing with people you can't stand. Well, I think that in general uh, with people, you the overall strategy is know what you want and pay attention, and then be flexible. So if you pay attention. And you're doing the same thing over and over again, and it's not working. You have a guarantee. It's not working. Anything else you do increases the likelihood of your success. Uh, I find over the years, and I've been teaching communication for 30 years now, that if I am ever stuck in a situation with a person, I ask myself, what's the last thing I really want to do right now? And whatever occurs to me, I force myself to do it. And I can't believe how often that moves us forward and out of that stuck place. And actually, it makes perfect sense because it's the last thing you want to do. It's the thing you have not done. And that's why it's stuck. And so as far as meetings go, you have to speak up. You know, you want to I'm not trying to sell you a book here, but you want to get that book and and look, get the process and then share it with your boss and suggest that we do a little experiment. Then you share the process with the team. You decide who's going to be the pilot, who's flight recorder, who's air traffic control. And you try the process once and people will grab that like a life preserver. I've been using this process personally for 20 years on boards and all these different meetings works like a charm because everybody hates meetings universally. Hmm, interesting. Well, sometimes I really like meetings, depending on what it is. You know, so if, uh-huh. I'm, if I'm in a project that's exciting, I think a meeting, and I'm with people I like, <laughs> then it can be fun. Yes, and if it's structured in a way that, you know, there's no competition to speak, everybody's <clears throat> heard, you know, there's notes taken so that you follow up afterwards so it doesn't just disappear into the ethers. Uh, meetings can be exquisite, energizing events that really contribute a lot of good in the world. And my mission is to make a difference and empower people to uh, be an agent of change in whatever context and relationship. All right. Right, let's talk uh, a little bit about, um, I mean, we've talked about so many things here, but, well, we did talk about this, but not quite in this way. Making a room arrive at a decision in 20 minutes, thats that seems to be a tall order. Mm-hmm. Well, here would, here's the, what the process would be. Uh, any information that people need to digest should be given to them ahead of time with the agenda. So let's say 
three days or less. They're, they're getting that. There's got to be enough time and there's got to be responsibility to read that information. I would say once you put that, you make that rule, then you do not brief people at the meeting. You do not catch them up. Uh, then, so let's say people have read the information. Then there's going to be a, a, a discussion and question and answer at the meeting. Because just because you read something, there's no check and balance there. You could think you're totally understanding, but you're really misunderstanding. Mm. So we can't assume that. So we need to have a, a bit of a discussion and question and answer and make sure everybody really understands and interacts about that information. Okay, so let's say we're trying to come up with some new idea for something. After discussion, when question and answer, when we're clear, we understand it, then we have two processes. Uh, the first one's going to be matching. Matching is when you say what you like about an idea. So we go around the room, circular order, and everybody say what they like about the idea, and we list them on a whiteboard. If somebody's already said a match and you agree with it, you say it again because we want to put hash marks next to it and see how many people agree that this is a very important factor. Mm, mm, uh, mm. Once we've exhausted all the matches, go around as many times as it requires, then you switch the process to mismatch. All right, what are our considerations that we have mm. about this idea? Give us your closing thoughts. Uh, we have about, as I said, 60 seconds in terms of what do you want to leave our listeners with today? What's your message? I want to remind you that in every interaction, you make a positive uh, difference and we're all affecting each other all the time and what you do or do not do uh, definitely counts uh, both my parents are Auschwitz survivors and survived through multiple miracles and decisions that people made actually German mm. soldiers made on the other side and mm. so uh, remember life is not a test it's an actual emergency mm. wow thanks so much Rick for being on the program it was excellent it's excellant pleasure. Yeah, uh, stay on the line for a minute. Rick Brinkman, author of Dealing with Meetings You Can't Stand, and you can go to drrickbrinkman.com, drrickbrinkman.com. All right, folks, that wraps up this first interview, first part of the show. We'll be back with another interview right after the break, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. I'm Patricia Raskin with The Patricia Raskin Show. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.